You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. You get the best game day production, I think, in the league. Oh, the pierogies I had? By far the best part of the game, other than the Mike Sherman strip tease. You had pierogies to that, and it's the best part of week three. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hook! Well, happy Canada Day long weekend. It is Travis Kerr with you. If you're Canadian, of course, hope you had yourself a good Canada Day. If you're south of the border, 4th of July coming up. Happy, happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to you. That's coming up right away here. And if you're somewhere else in the world, it's Travis Kerr, the Two and Out podcast. And no Brazilian tie today. I wish I could tell you where he was. I actually don't know. I was actually at the game in Regina on Saturday night. Let's go back to my text messages. Tyrell says, screw this. I'm going to the lake. And I really haven't heard much from him since. (laughs) It's kind of shades of the past to an out podcast. I don't know where he is. Hopefully he's back on Thursday. But let's talk about the games for week three. Join to and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. We open up with a 24-14 win for Calgary over the Ottawa Red Blacks. Now, Ottawa had this game in their hands. At least they could have won, but it all came down to this play. Tie this game up again with a field goal, but that's not what they're thinking. They need this here. They want that end zone. They They haven't been in the end zone tonight. Powell, taking to him, wide receiver open there, but does Spencer get in? No. So this sets up an interesting decision. Actually, the very next play, instead of going for the tie, uh, trying to tie it up at 10, I believe it was at that point, the Stampeders had another goal line stand and stopped the Red Blacks right in their tracks. Now, this game is probably the ugliest game of the season. I don't know if it'll get any worse. <laughs> like, it just felt like the extension of the preseason. I, I, I know we always say there are three seasons in the CFL before Labor Day, after Labor Day, and playoffs. And maybe that's what we need to remember. Because when we go back to last year, yeah, it was way different when it came to officiating. For the most part, it seems like officials are letting the guys play right now. And a lot of things are going, you know, there are some ticky tack calls here and there, but that's football and that's pro sports and that's human nature. But none of the games have been really close except for the very first one that took about seven hours to finish. Uh, the rest have been at least two, two score games except for one this week. And that game was also ugly, but this one was uncharacteristically bad for the Calgary Stampeders. They were taking penalty after penalty, and it was just sad watching Ottawa. They just could not take advantage of it. 
they they could have smashed the Stampeders in this one, but no, it just was not happening. The Stampeders actually had 14 penalties for 150 yards. That is bad. You can't do that. Bull Levi, his first half was dismal as well. It didn't look good at all. His final stats were thirty or nineteen of thirty-five for two fifty-one. He had an interception and two touchdowns, but he was overthrowing guys, and it just was not good. But continuing to blow people away has to be Eric Rogers. He led the team with targets. He only came down with five of them. He had 57 yards and a touchdown. So that has to be the guy going forward for the Stampeders. And they are continuing to run the ball with Don Jackson as well. He had 15 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown as well. So Don Jackson is just crushing it. Terry Williams getting the returns in a a few reps on offense as well. But Eric Rogers, I'll admit, I had my doubts. He had been gone for a few years. He's coming off an injury, and he is just sliding right back into the thick of things with the Stampeders. As for the Red Blacks, Trevor Harris, 13 of 29, 135 yards and an interception. It was rough. They actually ended up putting Dom Davis into the game later on. Um, I, I, I guess Harris could have played and the Red Blacks could have come back, but uh, it, it it wasn't going to happen at that point. And Dom Davis, he, he threw the ball seven times, five completions for 41 yards and a touchdown. So he, he did get some things done when he came into the game. And I will have to say, I, I think I got to eat crow when it comes to William Powell. I wasn't sure he was going to be able to run all over the Stampeders, and he did. 13 carries for 123 yards. He runs violent. He runs vicious. He looked great. He didn't get much stuff done in the air, but man, when they gave him the ball, you get a 9.5 yards per carry average. That is very, very good, especially against the Stampeders team, but they just couldn't execute, and the Stampeders made plays when they had to, and that's what this team is always about. They don't always blow other teams out. I, I, I know we got the one against Hamilton last year, but they just make plays when they have to. That Siante Evans goal line stand against Deontay Spencer, that is Calgary Stampeders football. It's not always pretty. But they get it done. And if it weren't for the penalties in the first half and some Bo Levi overthrows, they might have beaten Ottawa a little bit worse. But it finally all came together in the fourth quarter when it mattered. And the Stampeders have a 24-14 win. It's best we don't really say much else about that game. You know how they're selling tickets in Montreal for 10 bucks just to watch the fourth quarter? Maybe the fourth quarter was worth 10 bucks here. The rest of it, eh. <laughs> we can kind of forget about it. We did have a doubleheader. Friday Night Football, the Tiger Cats and the Blue Bombers, and the Tabbies handled the Bombers here. They really took over in the second half, but they win by two touchdowns there as well. 31-17. I think the Manziel talk has to stop now. <laughs> now people are wondering where he's going to end up other than Hamilton, but I think they got to keep him there just for insurance. But Mazzoli, right now, I know it's only three weeks. There's a lot of season left to go. Is he the, is he the MOP? 
I, I think there's a real good case for Mazzoli being the MOP. But th- this was a grinding game in the first half and should mention that it was the first live mic game of the year. We're going to have one a week for the rest of the season. And I, I thought that the production on this one was a lot better than the ones we've seen in the past. Uh, everybody just seemed real natural. Everybody seemed, it was almost like they didn't know that they were mic'd up. And if you watch the first half, TSN let a few F-bombs flip by. And and I did hear about it on uh, the pregame show in Regina on the way to the game. The commissioner was in town for that. And he was asked, these live mic games, what are we going to do here? You know, you get 17 left as the season goes on. And we had O'Shea drop a few F-bombs. They were able to censor one in the first half. Chris Strebler dropped three himself. But how do you stop these guys from doing that? You can't. You can't just say, hey, you know, uh, change what you do on the field. So I was glad. I was glad that I was able to see these guys uh, as their selves on the field, but <laughs> I, I, I'm just assuming that some parents watching the game with kids weren't all that pleased with what they were seeing coming through their uh, TV screens. This is primetime stuff. This isn't pay-per-view. This isn't Saturday night at midnight. <laughs> like this game started at five o'clock in Alberta. So <laughs> I'm sure some parents were a bit upset, but Ambrosi just said, hey, look, uh, we own it. We're sorry for it. We got better in the second half, and we will be better for the rest of the season. So uh, I, for one, enjoyed seeing that stuff, and I enjoyed seeing what happened between Chris Strebler and Simone Lawrence. That that almost seemed like a bit of a, a story of the game. It felt like an episode of Monday Night Raw where it was like recurring throughout the night. <laughs> you know, Strebler had a first down run. I think it was the first half, and the guy just squealed with glee. And then Simone smashed him, knocked him on his keister. And the fact that Strebler was mic'd up for that, he got up, and you could, I think he must have had the wind knocked out of him because the, the way he was breathing, you could tell that Strebler was in pain. It was welcome to the CFL kid, but Simone kept up with his squealing, his antics. He was dancing after a few hits and actually late in the game, Chris Strebler had another first down run. I think this was in the fourth, fourth quarter and he got right in Simone's face and was yelling at him again. So, Man, when these teams play again in Winnipeg, it might be fun to watch between Simone and Strebler, but that's the stuff I want out of the live mic games. And I understand if I could read lips what Strebler said to Simone near the end of the game. It wasn't say, hey, you want to come for dinner later. It was was a lot more, uh, let's say, less friendly than that. But let's go to this play. It was really cool to hear Jeremiah Mazzoli calling the play as clear as day on this touchdown. Go! Blue eight! First and goal. Blue eight's it hot! Hot! And they'll give it off once again. Touchdown, Timmis! Now, Bomber fans, they are not happy about their defense. And <laughs> what can you do? Mazzoli now has eight games in a row with th- at least 300 passing yards. 
He goes 31 for 41, 369, a touchdown and an inter- interception. So, yeah, he looked really good. He is the quarterback in Hamilton, and there's a good chance he ties the Canadian Football League record next week against Saskatchewan. <laughs> it's probably going to happen. It might be the the safe money there, but Mazzoli, like I said, about three minutes ago, is probably my MOB candidate in the CFL right now. The Tiger Cats, they had another running back take over here. Sean Thomas Erlington, 11 carries for 92 yards, including a, a sweet hurdle on a play. He looked great. If you had him in fantasy, you were a bit choked because Mercer Timmis had seven carries for 13 yards. So, <laughs> and two touchdowns in there. So he got vultured a little bit from Timmis. So if you picked Timmis, you were happy. If you picked Erlington, you were okay, but you would have liked to have seen um, those touchdowns go to him. As for Brandon Banks, 16 targets, 11 catches, 111 yards, an absolutely monster game from him. Tolliver, nine targets, six catches for 84 and a touchdown. So Mazzoli has options. Tolliver, much like Rodgers, uh, I think he only played one play last year and tore his ACL. He's back into the lineup, and he looks like his old self as well. So Mazzoli welcomes him there and welcomes some size. If you look at Mike Jones, Saunders, Banks, Taskers, they're all small, but then you had Tolliver in there, and they got some weight. As for the Bombers, I mean, you knew that Strevler was going to run in and have a tough game. He he didn't throw an interception. He did have a rushing touchdown, five carries, 55 yards, passing 17 of 30 for 146. So, yeah, it, it was a bit of a pedestrian effort, but when you go into the donut box, that old Tiger Cats home field advantage from a few years ago seems to be coming back. Dressler had double-digit targets, 10, 10 of them, but six catches for 55, and he was the leading receiver there. So they did struggle getting the offense really moving. Harris had another 14 carries, 66, and a touchdown. He's got to be off that mark to get a 1,000, a 1,000, and... It just shows how hard it is. There were three guys, you know, that we were talking about getting to that 1,000, 1,000 mark. Harris being one of them, um, Wilder being one of them. And I know Toronto didn't play this week, but I don't know if he's going to get to that 1,000, 1,000. But maybe he just might have to and be forced there now since Ricky Ray won't be playing the rest of the season. But Strevler, yeah, he got sacked, tackled for losses. This is their first or his first bit of adversity here. I know that week one was a loss here, but it was against Edmonton. It was a tough one, and I'm sure the kid's going to bounce back. But for three weeks into the season, uh, I think Strebler is still doing a-okay. As for the Tiger Cats, they are now 2-1 and on the season, and I now wonder if – the East Division is theirs to lose. I think a lot of them, a lot of people had them picked to have a home playoff game at least in November, but now <laughs> that first round bye is looking pretty juicy in November for the Tiger Cats. We go to the second half of the Friday night doubleheader. The Edmonton Eskimos win 41-22. It didn't look like 
it was going to be that way early, early on in the game. But Kenny Stafford had a massive one. Here's a touchdown catch from Mike Riley for Stafford. And goal now for the 14. Riley sets up. Wide open. Touchdown. Kenny Stafford. And the Eskimos have their first lead of the night. It seemed like in the first half, they were throwing to Stafford nonstop. He had eight targets, six catches for 72 yards, and a touchdown. But Natea Jay had a beautiful touchdown catch. Duke Williams, another massive game, nine targets, six catches for 129 yards. If his price doesn't go up on TSN CFL Fantasy, then that game is broken. (laughs) But the story of the game has to be C.J. Gable. The first two weeks of the season, they could not get him going at all. But he has 23 carries, 165 yards, and a touchdown. He only had one catch for seven yards. That kind of seemed to be his bread and butter in Hamilton. So I I think Edmonton really needs to get him going as far as uh, the receiving game as well. But if you notice, there's been some real good running back performances this week, and Gable being one of them. Even on the other side, Jeremiah Johnson had 11 carries for 64 yards, you know, just under six yards per carry, but he did have a touchdown in there as well. It kind of seemed whenever Johnson was given the ball, he made things happen. But BC had to get away from that later on in the game. The way the game started, BC, it, it was all going their way. And all of a sudden, they had themselves a 14-2 lead. It could have been a lot worse. It should have been a lot worse. And maybe any other team would have taken advantage of it because Mike Riley threw two interceptions. He still threw for 326 yards. Yeah, he did have three touchdowns. But the interceptions came before that. The turnovers came before that. And when you get behind in that turnover battle, any other stronger team probably would have taking advantage of it, but BC couldn't. They, they couldn't do it fast enough. They got a 14-2 lead, and then Edmonton turned on the Jets late in the first half, and they never looked back. I think it was 29 unanswered points there. Jonathan Jennings only goes 13 of 24 for 199 and an interception. Um, I think this is his year. It has to be his year. And if he can't figure it out, it might be the end of Jonathan Jennings in BC. It's a contract year. It's a contract year for actually most quarterbacks. (laughs) But they put a lot into Jonathan Jennings. And I know he worked a lot on the the mental side of his game in the offseason. But he needs to get it done this season. He's he's not an Ed Hervey guy. So it's going to be real interesting watching the quarterback carousel at the end of this uh, end of the season. And Jennings is going to be. A big one. As for leading receivers in BC, the Eskimos were able to limit them. No touchdown catches. Manny Arsenault had three for sixty-five, and Corey Watson had a, a a game. Former former Eskimo, three for fifty-eight. But yeah, the real story here is the Eskimos and that offensive line. Travis Bond finally fitting in there, and you'll notice a little bit of a theme this week. Derek Dennis. Had a great game, I thought, for the Stampeders. Travis Bond for the Eskimos. What do those two guys have in common? Yeah, (laughs) you know what they have in common. So I was at this Eskimo game. 
drove to Lloyd Minster afterwards, got there at 3 a.m., left at 1 p.m. so I could go see the Saskatchewan Rough Riders play the Montreal Alouettes. I do have Rough Rider season tickets. I sell the games I can't make to because I can't quite frankly afford or have the time to do that eight-hour drive all the time. I think I would blow pretty much all of my holiday days <laughs> and maybe even more to try to make it to those games. The Friday ones are a real killer. And you know what? Maybe I'm the idiot for believing that the Riders should be able to win this game. After last week's performance, to come out and play the way they did against the Alouettes, trailing 13-3 to after the first half. I don't know if anybody saw this game coming. But first of all, you have to give props to the Alouettes. The defense, they had a good game. I mean, the offense was able to make the plays that they needed to make to win the game, so obviously they did something right. But the defense had four interceptions. I mean, the rider defense, I'm not going to say they didn't do their job because the Alouettes couldn't even rush for 40 yards. <laughs> Drew Willie threw for 157 yards and a touchdown. He goes 8 of 15. But <laughs> Tyrell Sutton had 1.8 yards per carry. 1.8, and he had 11 carries. So don't tell me the defense didn't do their job. Drew Willie, three carries for 12 yards. But you know what the big plays were? Chris Williams, six targets, three catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Ernest Jackson, he only had two catches for 18 yards. He had a tough, tough, tough drop early in the game. B.J. Cunningham, four for 70, but the Alouette defense got it done. He knocked Mwamba. What does he have in common with Travis Bond and Derek Dennis? He was all over the field. He did only have four tackles, one for a loss, but Mwamba was all over the place. He was playing like a, a man on fire in this game. The The entire Alouette defense brought it. Westerman makes so much noise. You can't stop the guy. You can't. But let's go to a big play. From Chris, Chris Williams right now. So first and one, pressure on. Open receiver, hits it. Chris Williams, and he is by Deron Carter for an Alouette touchdown. 79 yards. Chris Williams has his first touchdown as an Alouette. Yeah, you'll notice that Deron Carter was on the coverage in that game. And I think... Not only does the Deron Carter experiment need to end on defense, maybe the Chris Jones experiment needs to end. <laughs> Man, I am so done with it. I, I think he's blinded by his arrogance. He's blinded by his loyalty to these coaches that he has. The, the offensive coordinator that he has, McAdoo, people in Edmonton weren't fans of him when when they won the Grey Cup in 2015, especially early on in that season. Saskatchewan fans should not be excited about this guy. But Chris Jones, the arrogance, the roster management, the recruiting, the scouting is absolutely embarrassing. 
And I get that you make these business decisions. You cut Travis Bond. You cut Henock Mwamba. You cut Derek Dennis. I know only one of those is Canadian. But now look at your middle linebacking spot. And now look at your Canadian depth. Your most outstanding Canadian gets cut because you don't want to pay him a bonus. That is stupid. (laughs) Travis Bond is an absolute truck. You give him, what, two days in camp before you cut him? Now look at your right guard spot. The offensive line coach, maybe he's the problem. How does Derek Dennis come in and look like an absolute bum playing left tackle after winning most outstanding offensive lineman in the league? Just looked like a bum last year. Maybe it's because he didn't want to be here. The, the stories last year, the fights in practice, all of that. It's got to stop. Do I, I don't think Brandon Bridge is a starting quarterback in the CFL. I really don't. And he kind of proved it in this game. 8 of 18 for 111 yards and two interceptions. David Watford comes into the game. First drive, he moves the ball. But he throws two interceptions as well. At least he had a touchdown pass, 10 of 22 for 108 yards. But how different is this game if Brandon Bridge throws, or let's just say Marcus Thigpen doesn't drop that pass, first play from scrimmage, and goes to the house? It's probably a completely different game because Brandon Bridge does not look like a guy with confidence right now. Well, quite frankly, neither neither does Zach Caleros, even though he got his first win in 12 starts uh, a couple weeks ago. But how was Brandon Bridge supposed to build confidence if you just yank him at halftime when you're only down by 10? But the guy that's been on the team for seven weeks basically performs the exact same way. So, yeah, a little bit. I think a lot of it does have to be on Brandon Bridge. This is his third year in the offense, and he's regressed from last year. That's not good. But how's your young quarterback supposed to gain confidence if you're not supporting him with a running game? Marcus Thigpen had five carries. Trey Mason had seven. But second and three, second and two, you have Jerome Messam. Standing on the sideline, 250-pound running back, just standing there. That's a $100,000 paperweight. I know he can hold down a lot of papers, and I know he can run people over, but what a waste of a spot. (laughs) You're going to dress a Jerome Messam and leave him standing there. Anyone can see that. No backups on the offensive line. None of them. And you know what? The line couldn't open up any holes in the running game, but they weren't horrible when it came to pass protection. I think the the young quarterbacks are kind of panicking after their first reads and letting it go too early when they really didn't need to. The quarterbacks, I thought, for the most part, actually had time. The, the, the run blocks weren't that well, but McAdoo... He will get away from things. The running game is not a pretty thing. You're not supposed to get 12 yards, 10 yards a carry. You're supposed to beat down a team. So in the fourth quarter, 
you can get yards at will. But nah, if it doesn't work, they don't do it. The first two series, the riders go two and out. No pun intended there, because you just want to go passing plays. And <laughs> the best offensive weapon, Deron Carter, is on defense. What else does that do for your quarterback's confidence, whether it's Bridge, whether it's Watford, whoever it is? You finally put him in on the last series of the game, too little, too late. I think the best play of the game is you trying to lateral it all the way down the field. Why didn't you try in the first four quarters? And this whole Deron Carter thing, I don't know how you feel about this, but quite often he gets called the best athlete in the Canadian Football League. Why? Uh, maybe he's the best playmaker. Yeah, I can remember a missed kick or a missed field goal return against Edmonton. The pick sixes, uh, you know, the catches with one hand. Yeah, great athletic ability. But how many other receivers can go play cornerback and get burned six times a game and take stupid penalties? I think a lot of receivers in the CFL could do that. Chris Williams was running one route all game long, just one. It was a go route. <laughs> he would run straight down the field and right by Deron Carter all game long. If this was a better team, they would have smashed the Riders by eight touchdowns. Chris Williams had a 300 receiving yards. <laughs> and that's not exaggerating. Jeff Matthews comes in. He goes 8 of 12 for 98 yards. That's Jeff Matthews. Signed with the team, what, last week? The unanimous worst team in the CFL. And he comes in and the Riders can't take advantage. He signs last week. But Brandon Bridge has been there for three years and does what he did. And what he did last week against Ottawa. It is not good what is happening in Saskatchewan. Right from the punter, Josh Bartell. Yeah, he can get it high. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you can't kick it far. Boris Beattie was launching kicks all game long. Bartell, 10 punts, 41-yard average. Eh, That's ugly. The net average was 30 yards. Ooh, not not pretty at all. Naaman Roosevelt did his job, I guess. Six catches, 13 yards, and a touchdown. But the roster management has been embarrassing. The assistant coaches are horrible. The Canadian depth is an absolute joke. So when does Chris Jones get on the hot seat in Regina? We're one and two. I understand that the Riders were one and two last year as well. The, the, the schedule now is Hamilton comes to town, and then they have a bye, and then they go to Hamilton. Well, they're not going to win in Hamilton. Even coming off the bye, they are not going to win in Hamilton. So they need to win this game against Hamilton on Thursday because after that, it's... Calgary, Edmonton, Calgary, BC, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Yikes. So I sent out a tweet. 
Riders fans, what does their record need to be before Chris Jones is on the hot seat? It is year three of the rebuild after all. Adam says one and four. If we lose both versus the Ticats, heads will roll. Chris says there's no point in making a change midseason. Play the season out as it is. Jones is probably as peeved as we all are. Ridiculous. I get that. <laughs> Jones can't be happy with what happens. And Rick says, I am so tired of the revolving door at Ryder's head coach. I want to believe in Chris Jones, but this is redonkulous. Devoron Carter, the best receiver. They need an offensive line. They need a quarterback. Where's the scouting? That is the issue. And I know Baron wanted to hear a Brazilian tyrant, but he kind of ghosted me. So you're not going to get a Brazilian tyrant. You're going to have to put up with mine. And I guess some people still staying calm. It's still so early. They started one and two last year, too. Jones is unconventional, but somehow he'll figure this out. They don't need to start over again. That would be detrimental at this point. Stay the course and stay calm. It's really hard to stay calm at this team, and I know a lot of people are probably enjoying the misery in Saskatchewan right now, and I get why. I get the circumstances why Chris Jones left Edmonton. Maybe it's Saskatchewan. Maybe it's just the... (laughs) There's not a winning tradition there. There really isn't. And you know what? Fans in general, they, they didn't know what they had with Darian Durant. I know 2014, 2015, all that crap happens. I know. So the injuries derailed the end of his time in Saskatchewan. But that might be the best era of Ryder football. No, it is. It is the best era of Ryder football since Ronnie and George in the 60s and 70s. That's 40 years, man. 40 years. You got this shiny new stadium and you lay an egg against the worst team in the league like that. <laughs> you get the best game day production, I think, in the league. Oh, the pierogies I had? By far the best part of the game. Other than the Mike Sherman strip tease. You had pierogies to that. And it's the best part of week three. <laughs> but the speakers, the view, the fans, it's such a great game day experience in Regina. But the team does not match. Uh, That team does not deserve to play there. They should be back at the old stadium the way that they've been playing. You know, maybe maybe half the team. Can, Can the defense play on the other side of the ball? Then at least we'd have Deron Carter on offense. Yeah. At least it's a short week in Saskatchewan. (laughs) Then Thursday, they're home against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And if they lose that one, there's a bye week right after that. And there's going to be two weeks of misery in Regina before the next game. When they go to Hamilton, they go to the donut box, and they try to make things happen. Should I say something positive about the Riders? What kind of did? I said the offensive line wasn't that embarrassing. You know, Brett Lother, hey, well done. That kid's looking great when it comes to field goals. And Christian Jones, the effort on returns, there's a positive there. But did the sun rise this morning or yesterday morning after that game in Saskatchewan? Actually, it did. 
because I uh, I actually got back to Lloydminster at 5 a.m. Maybe I'm the idiot for driving that far for that team. Uh, strap the shoulder pads on me. I could do something. I could fall forward for a few yards. But if they don't commit to the run, how is this offensive line going to get better? You don't help them. You don't help your young quarterbacks. <laughs> the defensive backfield... You just laugh at it now. But much like Montreal, there's too much talent in Regina to go 1-17, and and there's too much talent in Montreal to go 1-17 as well. Hey, Deron Carter actually made a nice little catch on, or a tackle, sorry, on Ernest Jackson. I was saying earlier, why, why do we call him the best athlete in the league? Yeah, I'll call him the best playmaker. But, I mean, guys like... Let's just say Deontay Spencer hit almost 500 yards in a game last year. Chris Rainey in BC. I, I would say those guys are better athletes. Duran, hey, maybe he's the best playmaker in the league. But as an athlete, hey, I'm a couch potato. I get it. But sometimes the things that he does looks like he shouldn't be able to do it. It looks like it's the special teams and the... The other side, the other players making mistakes, <laughs> letting him succeed there. But, hey, like I said earlier, I'm sure other receivers could go on the other side of the ball and let Chris Williams run by you all game long. It was a rough one. I don't know how to end it on a positive note here because my CFL fantasy was an absolute joke. <laughs> I had Marcus Thigpen. My week looks a lot different. So does Brandon Bridges. If he catches that 80-yard pass or whatever to start the game. Shaq Johnson, I took him as a $2,500 player. He had a big play dropped early in the game as well. But I'm pretty sure the sun will shine again sometime soon this week. <laughs> we'll be back on Thursday morning. I, I hope Brazilian Ty is here as well. I hope you had a good Canada Day, and I hope you have a good 4th of July if you're celebrating that as well. Give us a rating. Give us a subscription on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Tune in. We're all over the place. I'll be a happier guy when Thursday rolls around. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 